Hi, and welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Wallace. Happy oh. Friday. We're so happy you're here. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We got some wellness news. Let's get into it. Okay. So, among all of the news about the hot summer you're about to have, <laughs> I was excited about this article on sleep that talks about atypical versus typical sleep patterns and that there are actually genes for different types of sleeping patterns, including super sleepers, which I think everybody who lives in capitalism <laughs> wishes they were, which is someone who needs about three hours of sleep one night or something. This woman who's featured in this article only needs three hours of sleep a night. That Okay, first off, I feel like that name is really misleading because I would think a super sleeper would be someone who sleeps like 22 hours a day. Yeah. Or maybe they just are like, their batteries get charged up so fast that they're a super sleeper because they have super efficient sleep. It's true. It's a bad name. Work on the branding. <laughs> take that, take that back to the drawing board, guys. <laughs> but um, I like, I mean, this is so interesting because like you mentioned that it's not just, oh, because you have bad sleep hygiene that no. you're not able to sleep. And because you're not wearing your blue blocking glasses when you're looking at your Instagram phone, it's actually like something genetically that changes your sleep pattern. They point to two of the main reasons that people have variability in sleep or sleep issues is from sleep pressure. So sleep pressure is actually the release of adenosine. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Essentially the hormone that makes you tired and caffeine actually blocks adenosine. Mm -hmm. And then eventually your caffeine wears off and you're hit with like a huge crash. And then we know from popular sleep science, mess up your circadian rhythms by traveling or by, you know, light exposure, all of those things. But what I liked about this article was the distinction that there are genetics that mean you could fall outside of those two sleep issues and actually just have a different genetic disposition as to why you sleep at different times of the day or why you prefer a different routine other than what society is trying to demand of us. And genetics can account for extreme night owls and also extreme morning larks. But I it's guess so cute. That I is am. like the cutest nickname ever. <laughs> I think that I'm close because extreme morning larks are people that sleep from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. What time do you go to bed? In an ideal world, 9 p.m. No. Really? I mean, I don't actually, because I stay up late doing other shit. <laughs> but if I had my choice, 9 p.m., baby. Wow. Since I, since I was a kid, I've been that way. Really? And I would happily wake up at, like, 5 a.m. Yeah. Well, we both wake up early. So the morning lark is 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. and 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. And then night owls are, like, 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. Huh. And then what I really like about this article is it normalizes these different sleep habits and patterns because you're considered, if you're in one of these categories, you're considered atypical and society is always trying to prescribe things to you like try some sleeping pills. And the woman featured in this article talks about her sister who's also a super sleeper who was prescribed sleeping pills. Yeah. And she said it's been a quite lonely existence until she realized that that's just her genetics and she's actually okay. At the end, they say, for anyone who has these atypical sleeping traits, 
simple obligations can be really hard. Mm. Like if you're coming home from work late, you have to put your kid to bed with a nice bedtime story, but you just can't do it. Mm. Or you have to get up super early to take your kid to class, or there could be a number of things that prove just much more difficult because your genetics actually would rather you do something else and sleep. Or not sleep. <laughs> That's so interesting. I feel like everyone just needs to be told that like you're fine. You don't you it's you don't have to be like everyone else. It's okay if you have a different sleep cycle. But capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I think everything should be asterisks but capitalism. <laughs> Yeah. Ugh. Well, that's cool. So I, sleep when you want. Do it if you can. Any hour of day. Like when you feel like it. I yeah. uh, gotta bed when you feel like it. Yeah. Well, also like watch watch your back because you can also fuck up your circadian rhythms and have a messy sleep cycle or an alternative sleep cycle, and then you're really screwed. Yeah. That's the tricky thing is trying to discern what is actually your circadian rhythm versus your genetics. And maybe you need to go to one of those like trendy sleep caves that I'm noticing popping up Yeah, (laughs) that I kind of want to get someone to pay for me to go to. (laughs) She's looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Research. The cops. Yeah. uh, Let's. Maybe that's the only way to know. Go camping for a while. Yeah. Those. I mean, anyone who does not know what we're talking about, there are these things called like dark rooms and dark retreats where you basically just like live in nature. I can hear you cold. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Where you basically go, there are these rooms that are dark rooms, and you basically just like go sit in the dark, and that's it. It's not like a float tank, it's just like a dark room, and people will go in a dark meditation for like a week and not see any light and it sounds honestly it sounds a little scary we're so ass backwards like <laughs> some people really actually just need electricity and we're like i'll go pay money. <laughs> dude just because of our existential shit yeah so you're not weird you're normal your weirdness is normal and you know science is always discovering more and more that we know nothing so Great segue into our next topical piece, which I think will hit home for a lot of you. Turns out natural deodorant is a scam, and the American Cancer Society says that regular deodorant doesn't cause cancer. It doesn't. That's like one of the big tenets of natural deodorant, that it's better for you, that it's clean, that conventional antiperspirants can lead to things like Alzheimer's, and that they're toxic, and it kills off the good bacteria in your armpits. Experts like oncologists and epidemiologists and skin microbiome experts and dermatologists say that there is no definitive evidence that regular deodorants or antiperspirants are worse for you than natural deod. And I would just like to say I feel vindicated as someone who is personally attacked by natural deodorants because I have sensitive armpits and can't wear baking soda on my skin. I'm delighted to be able to wear my Old Spice in public and not be ashamed. My Old Spice male deodorant, which is Full toxic. Full toxic. <laughs> All the chemicals. So yeah. Slash, you're ready to smell like a 17-year-old. Yeah, I'm ready to honestly bring back teen spirit. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so. Teen spirit summer. Big, Yeah, that's the big takeaway. We don't have to have a stinky girl summer or a stinky sovereign summer. We or can... maybe we can because I feel like the trend I'm noticing is no deodorant. Fuck that. I think that we, here's a prediction, put this in your pipe and smoke it, in your clean pipe and smoke it. I think that clean beauty, exactly, exactly. I think that clean beauty is going to, is a house of cards that's about to fall down because we're realizing that 
actually like everything is kind of toxic and bad for us. And the things that people have said that are so bad for us are actually just a marketing ploy. We talked about this in our acne positive skincare review on the cusp and I'm just curious to see where it goes. I feel like for so long the EWG has really used the dirty dozen list and the clean products and all of these things to fear monger around shit that isn't that important and doesn't matter as much. So I'm excited for people to like unclench their buttholes a little bit, put on some deodorant if they want to, or embrace their natural delightful scent and their, their natural musk and have a great summer. Anxiety free. Anxiety frame. Once again, we've been duped into buying products that maybe don't. It's have like it. it's a pattern. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Speaking of interesting product evolvements, Frida, a UK based brand of organic cotton period products, has launched a new line of degendered pads and tampons. Degendered is an interesting word. I feel like I haven't seen that as much as non-binary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, that is a very interesting yeah, choice. Put it. Drawing attention to the importance of inclusivity in the space. I feel like this is actually like super poignant and important. It's representation in the period yeah. space yeah. for people who aren't represented and who are not like sold to or acknowledged or thought of. Yeah, 100%. Knowing how I felt in relation to menstruation and periods, I can only imagine what transgendered men and non-binary folks have felt. And I just feel like this was a big, yeah, finally moment when I saw it. Over and over again in health and wellness and beauty, I think that we see these spaces become more inclusive that tend to be more feminine, right? Or like have traditionally been female focused. And I'm just like, when are the male focused industries going to do their part and like make their spaces more inclusive and accessible and like Mm. think about other people? Uh, Do we always have to be like, I don't know, breaking down the door? Gotta lead the way. I know we got to be the big, bigger people, but still, it's yeah. annoying. Like, come on, ESPN. <laughs> but like, this is a call-in. <laughs> the last industry that's gonna—they're like kicking Naomi Osaka out of the Shit. French Open for basically being like, "I have needs." <laughs> <laughs> Like, nope, too bad. Sucks to suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A necessary part of well-being is, like, being acknowledged and seen. I think there are actually quite a few period companies and brands. There's, like, the period movement that talk about how anyone with a uterus has yeah. a period. But, they're, yeah, it's less explicit of, like, yeah. this is a product specifically for non-binary people right. or men who get periods. Yeah. Last and final news note, uh, Fresha raises $100 million. This was shocking to me because I'd never heard of Fresha, and that's $100 million is a lot of money. And so when I saw this come across my inbox, I was like, who's this? What's going on here? So Fresha is a multi-purpose commerce tool for independent wellness and beauty businesses. Basically, it's a B2B slash B2C, so business to business and business to consumer, double-sided marketplace. It's like kind of like Groupon, if you, you if you picture in Groupon on, in your head, or kind of like Yelp in a way. And it services, you know, hair, nail and skin salons, yoga instructors, and, and very like mysteriously more is what they say, and more. 
and they are they raised a shit ton of money. This is their Series C, so they've been raising money for a while. The company's been around since 2015, and they are led by two white men, and this is the first time hearing of them with this $100 million raise. Yeah, I mean, they really, when I looked at them, they really do look like Groupon, and... <laughs> In not, 2015. Yeah. <laughs> not cute. Not like a site I would trust, either. No, no. I would be kind of sketched out, but... Well, who wants to, like, find their bikini waxer and also their meditation teacher on the same app? I mean, class pass? That's true. That's true. <laughs> that many facialists. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I bet they're huge competitors. I mean, I was trying to figure out what the, like, unusual, unique market share that this company has because raising $100 million is, like, that's a pretty hefty sum. And it doesn't seem like this business is that special to be, like, not to be a dick, but... Double-sided marketplaces are really, really hard to run. And the founder says that they believe that their software is the commodity and their sort of other competitors, people like StyleSeat and Booksy, but also people like Square or companies like Square and PayPal, which are basically allowing small businesses to run all the logistics from one sort of like central hub. It sounds like they want to they want to consolidate the supply side of the software and gather data about businesses and how they use what they use in terms of like the tools and the software and what they need next. So it looks like they might end up building out products like analytics for customers to understand like what they should be pricing their products at or how they should be what kind of services they should be offering or even brand new tools and I mean there's definitely something valuable in that for a small business owner because something that you don't get a lot of insight on is how other people's businesses work what's working for them what's not working for them and it can really make you wonder well if I priced this thing lower would I have more clients if I offered I don't know 30 minute manicures with, or, you know, five free manicures would that help me get more bookings. So I could see this being useful, but it seems like a, for a very specific type of business that maybe is really struggling in these areas. And this comes in as a easy solution to solve mm-hmm. many other problems, but it will probably not help them as much as it will actually help this company exactly. to acquire them. Exactly. And then they get trapped in this unfortunate situation where they're really kind of beholden to fresh eye. Yep. And exactly. It's like enabling versus empowering the consumer. And I feel like we saw, we see this and we've seen this with Groupon, right? Where people are living social, where Mm -hmm. brands and businesses would put their products on living social or Groupon and then be Mm -hmm. stuck with this like low ball product or price. And these kind of not so great customers that don't have a really high conversion and don't return, Mm -hmm. but the brand is stuck being on Groupon because that's the only way they book people now and they need that income. And yeah, that can be like the death spiral for a small business. I'm actually not shocked that two men would come up with the idea that like health, wellness, and beauty should all be under the same umbrella. They're completely different industries with completely different products, with completely different types of practitioners. So I don't think that they're a cohesive unit, but what do I know? And I feel like Serene Book tried this a couple years ago. Milana Snow founded a company called Serene Book, which was kind of like class pass, but for healers. So you mm-hmm. could pay like a monthly fee to get access to different mm-hmm. practitioners. And mm-hmm. to me, that feels more in alignment with what people would potentially want and need as opposed to this product. When a double-sided marketplace becomes really beneficial is that acquisition and then basically conversion Mm -hmm. and retention. Mm -hmm. So being able to keep people who come Mm -hmm. to you once Mm -hmm. and 
of course, brands like most of the time, double-sided marketplaces, they don't teach people how to do that. That was why, you know, when I started Holisticism, I was trying to build something like this. And I kept seeing that it didn't matter how many new clients I brought people if I didn't teach them how to keep them. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like pouring water into a bucket with a hole in it, right? You're going to keep pouring. And yeah, the bucket might be full for a moment, but it's it's never going to be resourced. So (sighs) I wonder what percentage of people actually see return on their retention and Mm -hmm. then are able to essentially leave these marketplaces. That's a really good question. It would, I mean, it's probably really small. probably really small because also a metric that this brand, that this company, Fresha, is going to be looking at is how long people stay on the platform, mm-hmm. because that is an identifier of their success, right? And they're making money off of every booking, so they're charging a two percent fee or something like that every time someone books. So they're not making very much money right now. They're just probably trying to acquire as many people as humanly possible. And then they'll figure out how to like monetize in a different way by building out bit bigger and other products that people pay for. But I don't know. I feel like this is like kind of an old perspective on helping these types of businesses. And I don't know if it'll be successful. I think that trying to loop in beauty and wellness together and fitness and just sort of putting them under the umbrella of like, feminine or Mm. for women feels like it's really missing the mark because these industries are so unique. And I'm interested to see if that outdated perspective is going to continue. Yeah. If you guys book on Fresha, let us know. Yeah. If you've ever heard of it. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Isn't it crazy that they're, okay, this is a good mindset, brain something. There is a company that you've never heard of that is right. That has raised a hundred million dollars. There's so many. There are so many companies <laughs> that you've never, that you're never going to hear about that are like doing business. They're not just made up businesses. Especially in cement and aggregate. <laughs> and trucking. <laughs> there you go. Cement. But just a reminder that sometimes you never know. You never know. No, I mean, the only time I've ever thought about cement and aggregates was when I heard there was like global shortage of sand when was that recently i mean I dude we're like i feel like we're having shortages left right and center yeah first because... it was toilet paper then it was glass glass packaging yeah. was oh probably also why there's a sand sort shortage yeah exactly those are connected yeah so if you're in the um... not the porta potty shortage oh god so we're gonna leave you with that i think that's our news of the week few businesses you can get into easier. <laughs> the porta potty business, the concrete out of, out of wellness and into the industrial spaces. Oh my gosh. And on today's version of the cusp, the, our white paper, we are calling wellness trends our upcoming wellness trends. So if you want to join the cusp, that's our wellness hype beast community. And that white paper is so good. If you are interested in learning more about the wellness and well-being space, it's this industry in general and following what happens next, it's the place to be. Okay, next I'm going to talk about how to use this portal energy and do some future visioning if you have some big goals or dreams or things you want to accomplish in the next six months. So stay tuned as I walk you through and give you a little sneak peek on a future visioning session. Okay, hi, welcome to the podcast. I want to talk about how to use this energetic portal, which is the summer solstice. And I specifically want to talk about it as big portal energy, BPE, and what that means and how to 
not make the most out of it because we don't need like need to make everything productive, but how to use it if you choose to and if it feels meaningful to you. So that's that's what I'm going to try and do. So if you have been listening to this podcast, you've probably heard about the solstice or if you follow us on Instagram or if you're on our email list. And if you don't, that's okay. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, oh my God, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. I thank the internet gods that they put us together and that somehow algorithmically you found us, we found you, and that I'm now in your ear holes and you're listening to this. Truly, life is a miracle. No, I'm not being facetious. I mean it. Like of all the things you could be listening to, I'm so grateful that you're listening to this, dear listener. So welcome and hold on to your butt because uh, this is really one to drop into. But also to my returners, hello, thank you for gracing me with your ears. I am so grateful, truly. Anyways, if you didn't know, now you know, summer solstice is on June 20th. And it happens every year on June 20th. So that's cool. We love consistency. And the solstice, you know, we have two solstices and two equinoxes every year. And those are important energetic portals. They are earthly energetic portals. I like to think of them in that way because what's happening, the transition is happening on earth. It's when we're often moving moving from one season to the next. And a portal is just a threshold moment, right? It's a foyer. <laughs> It's a hallway. It is a tunnel from one thing to the next. And that's, and like, the, it's kind of like a Willy Wonka tunnel, you know, like anything could happen in there. And it could be scary, but it also can be exhilarating. I kind of think of portal energy and in turn solstice energy as like in Mario Kart, you know, how when you like, when you're driving and you roll over those arrows that are like flashing and then you go like super turbo jet speed, that's what a portal feels like because it's just like, whoop, it's going to shoot you out. Kind of like the airport, those like moving sidewalks that go really fast. I love those. Going so fast when you get off of them. It's just exhilarating. So that's what portal energy feels like to me. And sometimes we have like super turbo, absolutely charged portal moments, like the one that we have, what we're experiencing right now. So not only do we have sort of these earth energy portals from the solstice, but we also have some etheric happenings. Astrologically, it's Mercury retrograde, it's solstice season, it's solstice obviously, and it's also eclipse season. And so there's a lot, there's a lot that's up. There's also some other transits that are happening. And mm, this is a really, really good time to orient, to steer, to get yourself in line so that when you go through that portal, or when you get shot out of that portal, that you are going in the right direction. Because in Mario Kart, if you go through that speedy thing and you don't steer, like you're just going to go into a wall, you know, like you're going fast, but you're going into a wall. And we don't necessarily want that. Sometimes we might, but we don't, we don't necessarily want that. We want to be conscientious about where we're steering, or at least we want to consent to steering into the wall, right? Have a choice in the matter, or we want to steer in a different direction. So that's kind of what we can do in this period of space, like this period of time. And here's the thing. I think that like we are constantly co-creating and making our reality and we use information from our past, from our experiences. And we also use being present because we have to, we have to be embodied and present in order to make things happen in the world. 
and experience the world. And we also need to sort of like have future vision. And that can feel really like a lot of things. Like how do I, how can I look in three directions simultaneously? And I mean, let's talk another day about how time is just this illusion that we all believe in and need to believe in or talk about because we are human and humans and we're limited in our capacity and understanding of how our existence works. And time really isn't like static. It's actually like quite mutable. And you've probably experienced mutable time before. Like, have you ever made out with somebody that was bad and like your kiss felt like it lasted forever versus like spending the day with someone who you absolutely adore and the time flew by. Those are perfect examples of how an hour didn't feel like an hour. It either felt like 30 hours or like 20 minutes. So time is mutable and we don't really, we're so and we're just so tiny in our understanding of and conception of thing perception of things. So anyways, we sort of like hamstring ourselves by using time and like having this linear timeline that we're looking at. We're like so constricted by it, but we also live and die by it. It's tricky. So, so let's just like put that aside for a second, acknowledging that that can be true. And also what we're talking about in terms of looking into the past and being present and also looking to the future can also be true. There can be two truths here. So we're just going to park those two things next to each other. We're not going to talk about time as a, as a collective delusion right now. We're going to talk about how to orient yourself during a portal moment and how to use that to collapse the timeline if you so choose or to get somewhere faster if you want to use a different type of language. So I don't think that we need to be like constantly looking at our at the at past and how we've shown up in the past and what we've done. I think that would be like really boring and like just too much navel gazing, a bit narcissistic. I mean, have you ever like met wellness people who are just like always doing the work? They like spend 40 hours a day <laughs> meditating. You can't spend 40 hours a day, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like their their entire life revolves around like the work and like clearing their stuff and like, you know clearing their trauma or doing the work and journaling and meditating and doing their self-hypnosis and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, why are you doing this? Because like, you're doing a ton of like clearing or whatever, but to what end? You're not living. You're just like drinking green juices and like doing your weird hypnotherapy and no shade to hypnotherapy, but you get what I'm saying, right? And that's kind of like, why? Why do all this stuff if like you're not living, like you're just distracting yourself from living, right? That's when navel gazing and looking at ourselves a little too much can flip in the wrong direction versus, of course, we don't want to like not be thoughtful and not be self-reflective. Of course we want that course we want to be aware aware of ourselves and how our, our impact on other people duh naturally and we want to be present because that's where life is life is in the present and experiencing and action and like arguably why you chose to be here is in the present and then we've got the future and if you're anything like me you I don't know like yeah you have some goals and some dreams and some things that you want to happen and they're all really wonderful and lovely, but they're kind of like the, I don't know, flim flam surface. They're just like your purpose is deeper than that. Your reason for being is deeper than that. If we ask the Akashic Records, like every single person's purpose is to return to love and to return to the memory of love, which is like so sweet. And I love it. And I love when people ask that because it's like always the same, but everyone has a little bit of a different flavor. And maybe you rec like that's you're like, yes, 
that's it. That's me. It's, I'm, I'm here to return to love, to teach other people how to love, to be loved, love, love, left and right. Yes. Maybe you're like me and you're like, yeah, I'm here to experience and just like feel what it's like to be a person and feel all the things and like soak up this existence. Or maybe you subscribe to the God theory, which is, you know, this idea that the God wound theory, I should say, <laughs> the God theory, that was like the biggest dunk on religion on accident ever. Sorry, that's not what I meant. I think religion can be great. And what I meant was the God wound. And the God wound is the idea that when God or source or creator, whatever you want to call it, created, did all this lovely, lovely stuff, they still wanted to witness and experience themselves through the eyes of some something outside of them because we are limited in our, our perception, right? We only can really perceive ourselves and we get so much information from mirrors from other people. And so God source, whatever you want to call it, split in two to witness itself. And many people would argue that that is what we are as humanity is we are God or source or divinity looking for divinity looking for God, trying to find it, to see it. And that's our purpose is just in search of that. And some people find it in a family. Some people find it in nature. Some people find it in, I don't know, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Some people find it in making millions of dollars or they think they're going to find it in making millions of dollars. But really that's all that anyone is looking for. Some would argue. So whatever, whatever your purpose is, you're probably creating goals or a future vision around trying to fulfill that, right? Trying to be in that. And I think it's really easy, especially as business owners to intuitive business owners or not just regular business owners to get caught up in the, like, I want to achieve and do these things and make these deep impacts on other people and make meaningful work. And it looks like this. It looks like these goals and having a uh, 10,000 people on my email list and making X amount of dollars and having a huge team or whatever it is that your thing is that you're working towards. And I just want to remind you that like that could be it, but that also like doesn't have to be. <laughs> and I think that this is the point of reorienting towards our future, right? It's to get a little bit clearer because it's very easy to get in the weeds around making money, or having a number of clients or using having glamour metrics, right? Like these things that we think are going to make us happy and arguably will bring us some level of happiness or contentment or resource, which is really important to feel safe and to feel like we can fulfill our purpose, right? Because we have the spaciousness to like go discover it and go after it. But I think we get caught up a lot of times. And I'm definitely speaking for myself here too. It's easy to really get caught up in doing and achieving and those goals. And this is a perfect time to bring it back during this solstice period to just kind of reflect on that. And I would argue that you can do this a lot. There are many points where you can sort of self-reflect without being navel gazing, like just spending all of your time looking at your belly button and also while being present and also while sort of orienting towards your future and potentially collapsing a timeline or two when you want it. And there are a couple of different ways to do that. I made a mini course specifically on how to sort of rec recall your energy to bring your energy back and to get clarity of vision if you feel like you've been stuck. 
I don't want to use the word blocked because I don't think you're ever really blocked, but I know that you can get stuck because I've been stuck before or your glasses can get foggy and your vision is just tough. It's tough to see, right? So sometimes we just need to go through like a, I don't know, a human, <laughs> human, human car wash. I don't know why that came to my mind instead of a shower, but like, let's go with it. Cause I was thinking glasses, glasses are kind of like windshields, whatever. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to go through the human car wash. <laughs> And get some clarity, right? Have someone wipe off your glasses for you. That would be easier. Just have someone wipe off your glasses for you. And that's what the four-day mid-year energetic recalibration audio course is all about. So if you want to double click on that and go a little bit deeper, it's super affordable and you can find it below. But there are two things in particular that we do in the North Node that I think are really, really helpful. And I created them specifically for this reason, because I, I created them for myself because I tend to get super attached to like an outcome that I want, hyper fixated on something. And also <laughs> I lose sight of what's important. I'm just as human as you. <laughs> Even as an intuitive person, it's easy to lose sight of what we need to be focused on. So I created these two things because they're things that I have to do to keep my shit tight. And I think that they're useful for a lot of people who are like me, who also maybe like are a bit scattered and really intuitive and creative and like have a lot of things that they want to do and see and, and also big dreams and also super capable, you know, like feel like the things that they want are totally within their grasp and within their reach. So two things, we do them inside the North Node. I'm going to give you a sneak peek at them in this episode right now, right now I'm going to do it. So the first is an Akashic audit and the point of any sort of audit Really the point of this is to have this same set of questions that is your control that you return to over and over and over again. And the reason that we want to use the same set of questions is because we want to be able to see, measure what has changed. So what the, the, you're the variable, your experience is the variable, the control are the questions. And as we answer these questions in every six months, every quarter, every year, however often you want to check in, you'll be able to gauge your growth and maybe if you need to refocus and get on the path. And here's the, here's the kicker. Like when we don't do this enough, we eventually steer so far off course that we are like on a completely different route. We are like going to a completely different destination that we, than the one that we desired or the one that we're trying to get towards. And I think that the goal in general with intuitive business is to help you stay on the path or at least get really clear, get, maybe it's almost like the path is like this 10 lane highway. It's like, whoa, there's just so many lanes. Like, which one should I pick? I know I'm like generally going in the right direction on this interstate, but which one, which one do I need to go on next? And maybe we can bring this down into like two lanes or one lane, but not a scary one lane, like a nice one lane so that it feels really clear and directed what you're doing and where you're going. And again, when we don't do this enough, when we don't audit enough and check in with ourselves enough, it's really easy to sort of like get off track, to skip the track and then put the car on cruise control, fall asleep. You can't do that. In a Tesla, you could. And then wake up in a completely different place than we thought we were going to end up. And then be like, fuck, what am I going to do? I got to turn this car around and go back. So, 
We do the Akashic audit. It's a series of 11 questions that you ask your Akashic records. And the reason that we want to open up our Akashic records to get these answers is because it's going to tell us the truth and what is most present. And we're not going to get always an exact right answer or a like an answer that is clear and specific. It might be meandering. It might be metaphorical. It might actually be quite infuriating, but it's information. And it's very cool to develop, number one, a relationship with your spiritual team over time to go to them for questions and for answers and to see how those answers evolve and change and to see how your response or your reaction evolves and changes with them. And to even go back to your Akashic audit from six months ago and say, okay, did I actually implement any of these things I said I was going to implement? No. Great. Or, or maybe yes. Okay, awesome. Uh, it's gone well or it hasn't gone well. And now I'm going to get more information about that. So that's the first thing that I'd recommend. You don't have to do the Akashic Records if you don't want to, but get yourself a set of questions that you can return to every quarter or every six months or once a year and that you can sit down and do. I know it's like boring to do homework, but dude, sometimes you have to take your vitamins, okay? So create that for yourself. If you don't want to create it for yourself, join the North Node. We're opening on the 20th. It's going to be fun. The second thing is called future visioning. And I would recommend doing future visioning like as often as you want until it becomes second nature. And future visioning is how we collapse the timeline, right? So we do future visioning sessions inside of the North Node like at least four times a month. And they're an opportunity for people to work in real time and connect with each other and to use something called an I am statement to create a collapse in the timeline and to immediately embody what they're trying to create. And future visioning just involves looking at what it is that we want, right? What do we want to create in the next six years, six months, six years, 10 years, whatever it is, where do we want to be? What does our life look like? If we were going to plop you down on that, in that timeline, in that place in the timeline, what would, what would it be like if you looked around? And then instead of trying to like achieve goals, like, oh, I live in this house in this neighborhood, or I have X amount of dollars in my bank account, or I have a like amazing team of 10 people who work with me, right? Which are all great goals and cool. We're going to do something different. This is different than manifestation. So it's going to feel a little different. Manifestation isn't wrong or bad. I'm not here to say that. Don't cancel me, but this is different. Instead of saying, I am, I have blah, blah, you're going to create an I am statement around the type of person who has that life. So instead of being like, I'm a early riser who makes matcha every morning and is loving and has a divine partner who is their twin flame, right? Whatever. Who? Okay, who is that person? Who is that person? Who's the person who wakes up early in the morning and like drinks matcha and has a twin flame? What are their characteristics? Like what type of person are they? How would people describe them? They wouldn't be like, oh, she, do you know she drinks matcha every morning? No, that's fucking boring. No, your friends would be like, oh, dude, they are so deliberate. Dude, they're like so intentional and deliberate with everything that they do and also really discerning. Like that's how they met their amazing partner because they're super discerning and they didn't just settle for X, Y, Z thing. 
Okay, here you get me. I'm just I'm I'm doing I'm spitballing here. But instead of saying I'm all these things and I have all these things, we actually just want to find those adjectives or descriptors like deliberate and discerning and maybe like intentional, right? Or however we want to describe that person, calm. And we want to act and become that. So we're going to use that as our I am statement. I am deliberate. I am I am deliberate, intentional, calm, and discerning. And then we become that by just doing it. It's not even acting as if it's like, oh, now I am those things because then you start to make your decisions from that place. And so you're going to run every decision that you make all day long through your I am statement. So you're going to say, okay, when I wake up in the morning and I go into my kitchen and I decide, am I going to go get a Dunkin' Donuts culotta or am I going to go make a matcha or am I going to make a tea or am I going to eat breakfast or am I just going to drink like 10 gallons of water? There's so many options. You say, okay, well, what would future me do? And future, basically all you have to say is, what would a discerning, thoughtful, calm and conscientious person do? And then you make the decision from there. And it's so much easier, right? A calm, conscientious, discerning person, probably, no offense, Dunkin' Donuts, but they're probably not going to go get that culotta, unfortunately. But, or, or if they do, it's going to be like a really conscious choice. of like, fuck, I haven't had a culotta since I was 14. And I'm feeling it because like nostalgia. And that is such a different place to operate from, right? So we collapse the timeline by becoming the person becoming future us, becoming the person who naturally has the things that things, quote unquote, life that we want. Because of course, someone who has all those characteristics would have an amazing partner who feels like their twin flame and their soulmate because they wouldn't settle for anything less. Of course, that type of person who drinks, like would drink matcha in the morning because they, or like make their own matcha, right? Because they are really thoughtful about what they put in their body. And also they're calm and they don't need like a ton of caffeine because they also know that caffeine hypes them up in a, maybe a negative way. And of course they would be the type of person who wakes up at six in the morning because in order to be that calm, conscientious, discerning person, they have to be really clear. And that means they have to go swim in the morning or they have to meditate or whatever it is. Right. And instead of like boxing ourselves in and being like, I have to do X, Y, Z things to achieve these goals I have, we actually get so much more freedom because we're just being ourselves. We're not like trying on a mask or trying on some other version of like how we think we're supposed to be. We're just being. And then of course, the life that we want, the outcomes that we want spring up around us. And anything that, by the way, like, isn't in alignment with that, we figure it out pretty fast. Or if we recognize that actually in order to be a millionaire, I'm going to have to do this and this and this, or to be the type of millionaire I want to be, I need to change how I'm just interacting with my world right now. I love how Michael at Old Ways says, if you got what you wanted tomorrow, would you be ready for it? And this ensures that you will be ready for when you collapse that timeline, whatever you want whatever you decide that you really are calling in. So 
we do future visioning sessions. They're much longer usually. And we actually run them through like a bunch of different exercises. They're a full hour long. They're so fun inside of the North Node. And we also have the Akashic Audit as one of our milestones inside the North Node. And oh yeah, and doors open to the North Node on June 20th, which is not a coincidence because obviously it's big portal energy, BPE. And I think that I'm going to go after this because I've been going long and I don't want to be like didactic, but, or pedantic, but when we make a decision to say yes to our future selves and to step into a future version of ourselves, it is like, it's like so magical. It's so alchemizing. And just like that in Mario Kart, those little arrows that like slingshot you, it propels you into the future. Now, making a decision like that in to either invest in yourself or just to make a choice, like to make a conscious choice of this is future me, this is who I am becoming, and I'm going to start being them right now. It doesn't always come with like something financial, you know, but often <laughs> it just comes by agreeing and consenting to that version of you and admitting that you want that future you. And I think that's the biggest thing that trips us up is we don't want to admit what we want and what we want our futures to look like, or we're not ready to, or we're not, we're not ready to hold them. And so we're keeping ourselves here. And this month in the North Node, we're talking about identity and the grief that can happen when we step into a new identity. It's a joy. It's delightful. People talk about all the time leveling up and how amazing it is, but there's also a moment of grief. It's a threshold moment. There's a transition and we are grieving the old version of us that like did so much amazing work and got us here and is incredible and survived. And, you know, we can always come back to that version of us, but it will be different. It won't be the same. And that can be really scary and heartbreaking in some ways. Right. And I think it's important to notice these moments. We might not always grieve them in a big crying, you know, burning the boats way. But I think if we can notice them, it sort of helps us propel through that portal energy into the new identity, the new, the future version of us. That's now the present version of us that we want to be with grace and with ease. And I would ask if, if you're feeling stuck, are you still holding on to an old identity or an old version of you, or even just like a fraction, a fraction of an old version of you? that you just don't want to let go of because they're so tender or they're so soft or they're so, they did so good and you just don't want to let them go. And can you? And fully step into the new identity that you hold or the new identity you want to hold. So I don't know, that's a question for you. And if you like this, great. I, I, I'm glad to hear that. If you want more of this, more stuff like this, check out the North Node. Doors open next week. It's going to be really fun. It's the last time we're open the doors because we are at capacity. So in order for us to keep the magic <laughs> and uh, to keep our close-knit community, we got to cap our numbers. And that's feels a little scary to be perfectly honest with you, but it's really exciting. This isn't the last time that you can join the North Node forever, but it is the last time that we'll be taking a bunch of people in through our doors. So after this, we won't have a big doors open again. It'll be like sort of rolling admission based on a just when people graduate and who's at the very top of a wait list. So if you've been thinking about it, 
now might be a really good time. And if you are not sure, and you're still not sure when doors close in a week on June 27th, then that's okay. It just might take a little longer for you to join if you decide that you want to join. So just a heads up, because I have made so many decisions out of scarcity that were like bad. And I don't want you to make that decision. So I just want you to be like enrolled in how we're doing this so that you don't feel stuck or like, uh, if I don't, you don't feel that like crunchy feeling, you know what I mean? And if you have questions, you can just DM me on, on Holisticism's Instagram. That's it. That's all I've got for you. Thanks for listening. Um, I hope you have a beautiful solstice. I hope you're able to join us for some classes and um, I'm giving you a big hug and enjoy. That's it. Bye.